Section 17 of The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10 by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. The Origin of the Nights. C. We know absolutely nothing of the author or authors who produced our marvellous Raquel. Galland justly observes, probably this great work is not by a single hand, for how can we suppose that one man alone could own a fancy fertile enough to invent so many ingenious fictions. Mr. Lane, and Mr. Lane alone, opined that the work was written in Egypt by one person, or at most by two, one ending what the other had begun, and that he, or they, had rewritten the tales and completed the collection by new matter composed or arranged for the purpose. It is hard to see how the distinguished Arabist came to such a conclusion. At most, it can be true only of the editors and scribes of manuscripts, evidently copied from each other, such as the MacNaughton and the Bulak texts. As the reviewer in the Asiatic Journal says, every step we have taken in the collation of these agreeable fictions has confirmed us in the belief that the work called the Arabian Nights is rather a vehicle for stories, partly fixed and partly arbitrary, than a collection fairly deserving, from its conscious identity with itself, the name of a distinct work, and the reputation of having wholly emanated from the same inventive mind, to say nothing of the improbability of supposing that one individual, with every license to build upon the foundation of popular stories, a work which had once received a definite form from a single writer, would have been multiplied by the copyist with some regard at least to his arrangement of words as well as matter but the various copies we have seen bear about as much mutual resemblance as if they had passed through the famous process recommended for disguising a plagiarism translate your english author into french and again into english moreover the style of the several tales which will be considered in a future page, so far from being homogeneous, is heterogeneous in the extreme. Different nationalities show themselves. West Africa, Egypt, and Syria are all represented. And while some authors are intimately familiar with Baghdad, Damascus, and Cairo, others are equally ignorant. All copies, written and printed, absolutely differ in the last tales and a measure of the divergence can be obtained by comparing the Breslau edition with the MacNaughton text. Indeed, it is my conviction that the manuscripts preserved in Europe would add sundry volumes full of tales to those hitherto translated, and here the Wortley Montague copy can be taken as a test. We may, I believe, safely compare the history of the knights with the so-called Homeric poems, the Iliad and the Odyssey, a collection of immortal ballads and old epic formulae and verses 
traditionally handed down from rhapsody to rhapsody, incorporated in a slowly increasing body of poetry, and finally welded together about the age of Pericles. To conclude, from the data above given, I hold myself justified in drawing the following deductions. 1. The framework of the book is purely Persian, perfunctorily Arabized, the archetype being the Hazar Hafsana. 2. The oldest tales, such as Sindabad, the Seven Wazirs, and King Jaliad, may date from the reign of Al-Mansur, 8th century AD. 3. The thirteen tales mentioned above as the nucleus of the repertory, together with Delilah the Crafty, may be placed in our tenth century. 4. The latest tales, notably Kamar al-Zaman II and Ma'aruf the Cobbler, are as late as the sixteenth century. 5. The work assumed its present form in the thirteenth century. 6. The author is unknown for the best reason. There never was one. For information touching the editors and copyists, we must await the fortunate discovery of some manuscripts. End of section 17